0: Welcome to the podcast at the Hill. You are about to hear a message from Pastor Daniel Blaylock entitled The Discouraged Disciples from our series, Flawed Followers. If you have your Bible today, I'm in Luke 24, verse 13. You may be here today and you may say, Pastor, I'm in the room today, but um, maybe I'm out of step and don't feel what everyone else feels. Maybe you came today ready to worship and maybe you came today just not feeling it. Can I tell you today, I'm glad you're here either way. I'm glad you made the choice to come. I'm glad you pushed past your flesh and the comfort of your warm bed, and you pushed through and got here anyway. I'm thankful for people who come even when they're discouraged or disillusioned or having trouble in life. I'm thankful for people who show up even in the moments when it's hard to show up. Amen? Amen. I'm thankful for that. It says a great deal about our character and our faith and our confidence in God. Amen? Amen. Anyone can do what they feel like doing, right? Amen. I want to talk to you this morning if you're a little discouraged, if you're a little down from God's Word. Luke 24, verse 13, we're going to begin reading there this morning. We've been talking today about flawed followers. Say that with me. Flawed followers. You might think after hearing the resurrection of Jesus on Easter that his followers would be equally impressive. But what we find out pretty quickly from God's Word is that Jesus' disciples had clay feet all the way up to their elbows, amen? They were flawed, they had struggles, they faced difficulty, and they didn't bat a thousand, they were far from perfect, and yet the Lord used them and moved mightily through their lives in spite of their difficulty. We talked about uh, on the first week a man named Simon Peter, he was the denying disciple, right? And then we talked a couple of weeks ago about Thomas, the doubting disciple, Well, this morning, I want to speak to you about Cleopas and his friend, and they were the discouraged disciples. Amen? If you missed any message in the series, I invite you to go back and catch the first two. You can find them on the podcast. You can access it through our website or YouTube channel or lots of ways to get it. We can help you find them. But if they would benefit you, I urge you to do that. And if you are examining the claims of the Christian faith, and you're not a believer, and you say, Pastor, I'm interested in the Christian faith, but I don't know yet if I'm ready to make a commitment, I would urge you to go back and listen to the message about Thomas and how we can deal with our doubt and bring that to the foot of the cross. Your doubts don't have to push you away. They can bring you near if you'll let them, amen, and learn to doubt your doubt and trust your faith, amen. So we'll talk, we've talked about that. Go back and read that one. But this morning, Luke 24, verse 13, we're talking about discouraged disciples. Amen? Hear the word of the Lord today from Luke 24 and 13. Now behold, two men of them were traveling that same day. What day? This is Easter Sunday. This was the day of the resurrection. They were traveling that same day, to a village called Emmaus which was 7 miles from Jerusalem and they talked together of all the things which had happened so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him and he said to them what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad then one whose name was cleopas answered and said to him Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who has not known the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? I wish you'd underline that, I love that. What things? (laughs) As if he didn't know, right? What things have happened? (laughs) And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers Delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping, say that with me. But we were hoping, hear the discouragement in their voice. But we were hoping that it was that he, it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them." Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and were astonished, and he vanished. From, they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us? while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, and said, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told him about the things that had happened on the road, and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word, and his people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you today. I want to talk to you today about discouraged disciples. The story was told years ago that it was advertised far and wide that the devil was going to put his tools up for sale. He was closing up shop and going into retirement, and he was going to sell off his entire tool shop. Well, People came from far and wide to see and maybe buy one of the tools that he had used in the tricks of his trade. He had them all laid out on the table and he had them priced at various prices. And they were all there laying on the table. Hatred and envy, lust and jealousy, anger and pride. But there was one tool that was laying off to the side by itself. It was more worn than any of the others. And it was priced higher than all the rest. And someone came and asked him and they said, What is that tool? And he answered and said, The name of that tool is discouragement. Discouragement. And they said, why is it priced so much higher than all the rest of your tools? And he answered and said, because it is more useful to me than all the others. With it, I have been able to pry into the hearts and minds of men that otherwise would not have given me any point of entry. I use it on almost everyone. That's why it is so badly worn and used. And so few people even realize that it belongs to me. Well needless to say, the price was too high and no one bought the tool and we know that is true because the devil is still using it today, amen? Amen. Anybody ever faced the enemy of discouragement? Amen. If you've walked very far in the Christian life, you have faced down this enemy of being discouraged. Hear me today, the word of God tells us we don't have to walk far in the pages of scripture to find men and women who were discouraged. The Bible says in the book of Numbers that when the people were traveling from Egypt to Canaan land, the soul of the people were discouraged on the way, Numbers 21 and 4. The Bible says in Psalm 42 and 5, David asked himself the question, Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Why are you disquieted within me, he asked himself. He was discouraged. The prophet Elijah in 1 Kings 19 and 4, after he'd won the battle on Mount Carmel, received a death threat the next day from Jezebel, offering to end his life because of the trouble he had caused her. And the Bible says, and he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough, now Lord take my life, for I am no better than my father. It's always amazed to me how that if Elijah really wanted to die, he didn't just go to Jezebel's house, amen? She was offering to kill him, right? (laughs) Sometimes you don't really want to die, you just feel like you could, amen? Amen. And that's how he was. And he prayed, Lord, just rescue me from this. In the New Testament, the Bible says there's no one greater born among men than John the Baptist. And yet even John the Baptist faced discouragement. The Bible says after Jesus' ministry took off and John's ministry declined, John was arrested by Herod. And as he sat and suffered in prison, he became discouraged. And he sent word to Jesus and asked him the question in Luke 11 and 3, are you the becoming one or do we look for another? Wow. Even John got discouraged by his circumstances. Jesus encouraged his heart and sent back the word and said, tell John that the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not uh, uh, offended on the account of me. Amen. Amen. What about this thing called discouragement? Well, in our text this morning, we note number one, the dead end of discouragement. Say the dead end. When you get discouraged, you feel like you're at a dead end. You feel like there's just no way out. Often in life, we feel like at least we've got options. Maybe not good options, but I could take a right or a left. Give me a fork in the road any day over a dead end, right? Because a dead end just feels like there's nothing you can do. At best, you can backtrack, and who wants to do that? But sometimes we reach the dead end of discouragement. We feel like all hope is lost and there's nothing left to do but sit down and camp in that place. That's where this family was, this couple that we read about this morning, this pair of disciples. Verse 21 says, But we were hoping it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Notice those first four words. Say them with me. But we were hoping. Say it again. But we were hoping. That is discouragement right there. But we were hoping. How do you know you're discouraged? Whenever you begin to think about unmet expectations, discouragement is not far behind. This is what happened to them. Uh, They began to focus on what they hoped would happen that did not come to fruition and their hearts were discouraged. The great writer William Ward once said, Discouragement is dissatisfaction with the past, distaste for the present, distrust of the future. It is ingratitude for the blessings of yesterday, indifference to the opportunities of today, and insecurity regarding the strength for tomorrow. It is unawareness of the presence of beauty. Unconcern for the needs of our fellow man, unbelief in the promises of old. It is impatience with time, immaturity of thought, and impoliteness to God. What a rich definition. Pastor Chip Henderson of Pine Lake over in Mississippi said, Disappointment over the past, distaste with the present, Distrust of the future, those are the hallmarks of discouragement. I think he's right. When those three begin to operate in our lives, it's easy for us to get downcast and discouraged. It all starts with a disappointment. Say disappointment. But we had hoped... That's disappointment. But we had hoped it was he who was going to redeem Israel. These disciples had great expectations about what the ministry of Jesus was going to accomplish. They thought he was just getting started good whenever he ended his earthly ministry and died on the cross. They expected that he was going to restore Israel to political greatness and overthrow the Romans. They believed he was going to at that time bring his kingdom on earth and everything was going to get better and better and better from that moment on. And all of a sudden, the cross interrupted and disrupted that for them. The cross became a great discouragement to them. They were unaware of this turn in the road. They were not prepared for the fact that Jesus was going to die. Oftentimes, this is what happens to us. Our discouragement usually comes from a disappointment. And let's be honest this morning. Sometimes it comes from a disappointment with God. Pastor, are we allowed to say that? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Well, I don't think we should say that we're disappointed with God. Why not? God already knows. (laughs) Psalm 139 says, before a word is on my tongue, you know it all together. He said in Psalm 139, you perceive my thoughts from afar. God knows what you're thinking. He is aware of the burden of your soul today. He knows what you're feeling and what you're thinking. And if you feel disappointed with God, you may as well be honest about it. Let me tell you, we have an option here. We can either allow that disappointment to pull us away from God, or we can bring our disappointment into the presence of God and do something about it. Amen? This, this group of disciples, this pair on the road to Emmaus, are discouraged because they're disappointed. Say disappointed. You can see it in their walk, number one. The Bible says that they were walking uh, the journey to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. Well, wh- wh- what does that mean, pastor? Well, number one, I want you to notice this. They were walking away from Jerusalem. Say walking away. They're walking away. Who's in Jerusalem? The rest of the disciples are in Jerusalem The little gathered church Of New Testament believers That first group of Jesus followers They're all back in Jerusalem And so this couple, what are they doing? They're walking away from the fellowship Of Jesus followers They're walking away from the eleven Who were gathered in the upper room They're walking away from the rest Like Thomas, they were not present with the others When Jesus made his first appearance to them On that resurrection day They missed it because they left and walked away have you ever let disappointment in life separate you from attending church sometimes we do that we ought not but sometimes we do it is hard to discipline ourselves to get up and get dressed and come to the house of God when we're facing trouble in life but the moments that we feel least like coming we need to come most Amen. The Bible tells us in the last days that trouble will abound. And he says, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is. But let us meet together all the more as we see the day approaching. As the days get darker and the coming of the Lord gets at hand. We should be more earnest in our attempts to come together and worship. Amen. We should be more disciplined about gathering, not less disciplined about gathering. And if you're personally discouraged, you need the company of the Lord's people. If we don't learn to deal with disappointment properly, it will have damaging effects on our walk with the Lord. They walked away. Say away. And secondly, they're not only walking away, they're walking home. Say home. They're going home. They're going back to Emmaus. They're going back to their house. They're going back to the place where they live. Now, we're not told who these companions were. We know one's name was Cleopas. We don't know if these were brothers or friends who lived together. It could even be a married couple. How do you know that? Well, Cleopas and his companion, and oftentimes in the Bible, the word companion is used as a synonym for your spouse. So it is very possible that this is Cleopas and his wife. Amen? We don't know. But it could be. But can I tell you today, whenever we get discouraged, we need to be careful about turning our back on the fellowship. They walked away and they walked home. They decided to go back to Emmaus, back to their old life, back to their routine. Like Simon Peter, who went back to his fishing boat, the Emmaus Road disciples grew so discouraged, they decided just to return home. Many people get discouraged and turn back for a season. They go back to their old friends they go back to their old habits they go back to their old way of life they go back to the way they lived before they met the Lord Some of you are in the room today, and you've slowly been wandering back home. Some of you went back for a season in your life. And some of you are here today, and you say, Pastor, is there any hope for me? Could I possibly renew my relationship with God? Could I possibly be restored in my walk with Jesus? Yes. Yes, you can. Jesus is here, and you showed up this morning, and He longs to have an encounter with you today. He wants to meet you at the point of your discouragement His spirit desires to step into your life today and remind you that he's with you and loves you and he's for you and he is longing for you to renew and rekindle your friendship with him. Amen. Can I return? Well, certainly you can return. The prodigal son returned, didn't he? You are welcome back in your father's house. Come on back home today. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. If you're here and you've turned back to your old habits, I pray the Lord has an encounter with you here today. Don't get discouraged. If you've turned back, turn back again and return to the Lord's house. But you can see it in the walk of these disciples and you can hear it in the talk of these disciples. The Bible says as they walked, they talked to one another. Amen. They spoke to one another. Remember the old saying, misery loves company? Well, these two disciples are like that. And they're sharing with one another about their discouragement. They may be friends or brothers or even a married couple. We're not not sure. But we do know that they were talking as they were walking. Whenever you feel disappointed or discouraged, you really need to be careful about whom you spend time with. You need to be careful. You are vulnerable whenever life is not going well. And if you get around the wrong group of people, they can do you more harm than good. Now, nobody wants to be alone, and theres I would often say there's nothing worse than going through trouble alone, but there is. Going through it with the wrong company is even worse, amen, because if you get the wrong person in your ear when you're already down and discouraged, they can make it worse, amen. They can pour salt in the wound. They can take you from just a little discouraged to a whole lot discouraged, amen? They can go from zero to 60 in a matter of seconds with you, amen? The last thing you need if you're discouraged is the hee-haw choir singing gloom, agony, and despair over your bedside, amen? Amen, amen, we don't need that. Years ago, there was a pastor in a tent revival, and he called for testimonies, and one person stood up and said, oh, the devil's been after me all week, and talked about how bad it had been, and the evangelist said, please sit down. You are filling the air with discouragement and disbelief. Amen. That's not a testimony. (laughs) A testimony is how we overcame, how we made it. I wonder what they said to one another as they walked along the road. These two talked one another into leaving the church they talked one another into returning back to their own home they talked one another into walking off and abandoning the other disciples you may have missed it but jesus rescued them and i'm so thankful that he stepped in to bring them back thank god jesus intervened Amen? amen he stepped in well what does it look like whenever the lord does that this was the fallout of frustration what does the road to recovery look like say recovery How do we get back? Well, notice what Jesus did for them. Number one, he met with them. There was the meeting with Jesus. He had an encounter with him in his presence. The Bible says in verse 15 that he shows up on the scene. And it says, So it was while they conversed and reasoned together that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Oh, thank God for that. Jesus himself drew near. Whenever people are discouraging you, what you need more than anything is for Jesus himself to draw near. Amen? Oh, friends can be an encouragement and the church can be helpful. But what I really need whenever I'm down is for Jesus himself to draw near. Say Jesus himself. Jesus didn't send a committee. He didn't send a deacon or an elder or a pastor. Jesus himself drew near to them and went with them on the journey. Amen? I'm thankful for that today. When they walked away from the company of believers, they never expected this, but Jesus came after them. And can I tell you today that if you have walked away from the church, it's not going to be as easy as you think it is because Jesus is going to come after you when you leave. He's going to come looking for you. He's going to pursue you. He's not going to just let you walk off and get away with it. Amen? He's going to come. He's going to reveal himself to you. He's going to pull at your heart. That's what's going to happen. It's not as easy to leave as you think it is and go back because the Holy Spirit, the hound of heaven, is hot on your trail and he will draw you back into the ways of God if you'll let him. The Bible says that the lost, that the lost sheep was sought out by the shepherd. The lost coin was searched for by the woman with a broom and a candle until she found it. And if you wandered off today, the Lord is looking for you and he's going to come after you. Amen? Amen? Amen. That ought to give us great encouragement today if we've got a loved one who has wandered away from the things of God today. Oh, Pastor, I'm talking to them. Oh, I hope other people are witnessing to them. Pastor, I'm praying. Well, let me tell you the good news today. Jesus is going after them too. The Holy Spirit is going to pull on them. Amen. Thank God for that. You see, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And harder than you're witnessing, stronger than you're praying, is the work of the Holy Spirit who goes after those who wander and seeks to bring them back into the way. Amen? Amen. Jesus himself. Say, Jesus himself. The Bible promises he is near to those who are brokenhearted. He is close to them who are crushed in spirit. Thank God for that. I'm thankful he doesn't forsake us whenever we are discouraged. I'm thankful that even when we've disappointed God he doesn't turn away from us. He pursues us. He arrives often uninvited. He shows up even though we hoped he wouldn't sometimes. And he presses his way into our lives and gets our attention. He draws near. He steps right into the middle of our pain. Sometimes he shows up uninvited. Sometimes he shows up unrecognized. You may not even realize he's there, but he's present and he makes himself manifest in lots of ways. He may sneak into your life in the words of a song, a sermon on the radio, a phone call from a pastor, a card from a fellow Christian, a chance meeting at the restaurant from a believer who attends your Sunday school class or life group. It may just be you're alone and all of a sudden out of nowhere you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit just come down and wrap around you. Has that ever happened? to you? Just out of nowhere the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit just shows up and you know he's in the room and you weren't even praying or doing anything like that. And he just comes. Sometimes he just comes, uninvited, unrecognized, and he arrives. Maybe you forced yourself to come today. Maybe your discouraged heart didn't want to be here, but you came. Perhaps you're even disappointed with God. My prayer is that you'll have a divine encounter with the risen Christ before you leave today. Be honest with him today. Maybe you're here and something didn't go the way you hoped and prayed it would. Maybe you thought a relationship was heading somewhere and then suddenly that relationship dissolved and instead of not turning into marriage, it turned into nothing at all and your heart is broken. Maybe you're here and you were praying for a a, a job opening and someone else got the position. Maybe you're here today and you were praying for physical healing and the person that you were lifting up got worse instead of better. Maybe you were asking for a miracle and they died and went home to be with the Lord. Rather than being raised up and restored in body I don't know what may have happened to you today But can I tell you today It's okay to be disappointed It's okay to be honest about your disappointment And it is okay to bring your disappointment with you to church Amen Bring it right into God's presence. Bring it right to the altar. Bring it with you as you worship and you praise. And let Jesus join you on the journey of discouragement. The Bible says not only did he meet them, it said, I love that, he drew near and went with them. Say he went with them. Jesus will walk the journey with you even the journey of discouragement. He will walk the road with you even if your heart is discouraged today. He'll draw near and he won't leave or abandon you. So they had the meeting with Jesus. But how did Jesus minister to them? Well, notice he did it by the means of grace. Say the means of grace. Say, pastor, what in the world does that phrase even mean? Means of grace is a phrase that Christians you have used down through the years to describe the places where God promises to meet his people God promises to show up in certain places and meet us with his presence and his power and if you need God to move in your life then what you do is you show up at the places he's promised to show up Amen. that's how it is do you remember the story of blind Bartimaeus The Bible says Bartimaeus sat by the road, and whenever he heard that Jesus was coming down the road, he lifted up his voice and said, Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he was healed that day. If Bartimaeus had stayed home and said, well, if God wants me healed, he'll come knock on my door, Bartimaeus would have died blind. But what Bartimaeus did was he got up and he went to the road that he knew Jesus was going to be traveling down. And when Jesus got near, he lifted up his voice. And he got his healing that day. A few verses later, Jesus takes the road on into Jericho. And there's another little short man named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus wanted to meet Jesus. And so he climbed up in a sycamore tree. And Jesus passed by and pointed him out and called him down and said, Salvation has come to your house today. Zacchaeus wanted to be saved. So what did he do? He parked himself on the road that Jesus was going to be walking down. And he had his encounter with Jesus. Jesus some of you are here today and you need Jesus to touch you some of you need the Lord to step into your circumstances and your situations how do I get him to do that pastor the means of grace are the way you get him to do that you show up in the places where he promised to show up amen well what are the means of grace well there are many of them but in this very passage there are at least three of them what are they? Number one, prayer. Say prayer. prayer. Show up in prayer. I love what Jesus did to them in verse 19. This is one of the lines I had you repeat from the passage. Whenever Jesus came and they were talking about the sorrowful news of Jesus' death and resurrection, they said, are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about these things? And Jesus replied to them with the question, what did he say? What things? Jesus did not ask them this question because he needed the information. Jesus asked them the question because they needed the conversation. Whenever God invites us to prayer, it is not to give him information he doesn't already have. I've had people say, well, why do I have to pray if God already knows what I need? (laughs) Because God's not just about meeting your need. He's not a vending machine, amen? He's your father and he wants a relationship with you and he wants you to know him and be able to trust him and so he invites you to come and lay your heart out at his feet and he invites you to talk about what you're struggling and going through today. Whatever you're facing today, you can get alone with the Lord in prayer and if you begin to talk to God about it, you will say, Oh Lord, you know what I'm going through. You might hear Jesus say back to you, What things? Tell me about these things that you're facing. Lay it out before the Lord. We used to do that in prayer. We used to sing a song when I was growing up. Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you grieving over joys departed? Tell it to Jesus alone. Do the tears flow down your cheeks unbidden? Tell it to Jesus. Have you sins that from men's eyes are hidden? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. You've no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, pastor, I'm troubled. What things, Jesus says. He invites us to come into his presence in prayer. Thoughts disentangled themselves when they passed through the lips and the fingertips, someone said. What do we do? Well, we come to God in prayer and we talk it over with him. Maybe you struggle verbally to say to God what you need to say. Go To the dollar store this afternoon Buy you a notebook and a good writing ink pen Get alone in the presence of God And write out your thoughts Spill them onto the paper with ink And close that book And lay it up before the Lord And say Lord that is exactly what I'm thinking I've written down exactly what I'm feeling I'm struggling today I need your help I need your touch Lord will you hear my prayer Journal it, write it out if writing is easier for you than speaking. But whatever you do, if you need an encounter with the Lord, meet Jesus in the place he promised to show up. Meet him in prayer. Well, pastor, I'm so weary and broken I can't even pray. Well, then open your Bible to the book of Psalms and find you a passage that says what you need to say to God. And read it out loud to God and say, Lord, let this count for my prayer. Pastor, I don't know where to begin. Start in Psalm 69 and work your way all the way through to Psalm 71. And I guarantee you, you'll find something in those three passages that'll connect with your heart and communicate to the Lord. Whenever I've faced deep trouble, whenever I've been in water over my head and didn't know how to pray, I would oftentimes open my Bible to passages like Psalm 71 and just get before the Lord and say, Lord, hear my prayer. Here's what David prayed. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord Let them be ashamed and confounded who seek my life Let them be turned back and confused who desire my hurt Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you Psalm 70 But I am poor and needy Make haste to deliver me, O God You are my help and my deliverer O God, do not delay Psalm 71, in you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. You have given the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. You are my hope, O Lord. You are my trust from my youth. By you I have been upheld from my birth. You are the one who took me from my mother's womb. My praise shall continually be of you. Oh God, do not be far from me. Oh God, make haste to help me. What do you do when you can't pray? You find a passage like that and you make those words your words. And you pray. You press through. Why? Because if you'll do that, God has promised to meet you in prayer. Another place he meets us is in the word of God, in the scripture. Say the scripture. Verse 27 says that Jesus took the the Old Testament and he unfolded to them and explained to them in every passage how the Old Testament had actually predicted that he would die and rise again. What did he do for them? He reframed what was happening for them. That's what a good counselor always does. They reframe for us what's really going on. Amen? When I'm having a difficult time, I've learned to camp out in the Psalms not only for the prayers but for the promises. The promises. Whenever you're struggling, get in the book of Psalms. Oh, pastor, I'm very discouraged and afraid. Read Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Amen. Amen. Find a promise and stand on it. Take God's Word as a sword of the Spirit and fight. Get your Bible promise book and read the promises and stand on them. Amen? This is why we ought to memorize God's Word and hide passages of God's Word in our heart. Because those passages we commit to memory are swords that we can draw later and the Spirit of God can use them to push back the enemy of discouragement and to strengthen our faith in God. But some of us reach in our holster and all we've got is a Jesus wept and a John 3.16. And that won't get you real far. Commit God's word to memory. You need some swords in your arsenal. Some word in your heart that God can use. The Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance what you've learned. But if you haven't learned anything, even the Holy Spirit can't bring it to your remembrance. That's how means of grace work, church. I show up where God commanded and he meets me there. (laughs) But if I don't show up, I can't really be mad at God if God doesn't show up either. The third one was Holy Communion. The Bible says he took bread and he broke it. Now that's odd because he's a guest in their home. Whenever you're serving somebody at your house, you're the one in charge, right? You break the bread. You pour the sweet tea. You say the blessing over the meal. But in this moment, the Bible says Jesus took over the meal. He came into their house, and instead of being the guest, he became the host. He reached over and grabbed the bread and broke it and lifted it up and said, Blessed be the Lord God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. He blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And in the breaking of the bread, their eyes were opened, and they realized who he was. I wonder how they knew. I wonder if they had seen him on uh, the, the mountain that day whenever he took a boy's uh, Five loaves and broke them and blessed them and broke them and gave them. I wonder if they remembered that moment. I wonder if they'd been around the table with him before and had seen him and they recognized him. I wonder when he lifted up the bread if his sleeves came up and they didn't see nail prints shining in his hand. I don't know how he did it, but something happened when he broke the bread. He was recognized by them. He was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. And I don't know how God does it, but I do know this. Whenever we gather around the Lord's table on the first Sunday of the month, like we'll do next Sunday night when we gather, we come together and we break bread and we dip it in the cup and we partake. And in that encounter, Jesus meets us in that place. and He strengthens our hearts With his grace And he strengthens our faith With his hope and his love today God is true to his promises Amen He'll meet us If you need help and discouragement Show up in the places Where God promised to meet you Get in the word Get in prayer Come to worship service Get around the Lord's table God will meet you there Well pastor How do we know when the work is done And I'm closing Number one We'll have a fresh understanding of his word Say a fresh understanding He will refresh my understanding of his word Jesus took the Bible and reframed everything for them. And they realized that what they thought was bad news was actually good news. They thought it was a negative thing that Jesus had died on the cross. But Jesus took the Old Testament and said, Don't you understand? This is the fulfillment of everything. This is the reason I came. I have atoned for the sins of the world. I've conquered death in the grave. I've taken the keys of authority back from the enemy. I've risen from the dead. And now there's freedom and salvation for all those who will trust in me. Wow. What happened? How did they come from despair to hope? Jesus explained the Bible to them. Why is it important to be in God's house and hear the word of God taught? Because sometimes we misunderstand what God is doing. Say we misunderstand. Sometimes we misunderstand what God is doing in our lives. We often misinterpret what's happening around us. Most of our disappointment comes from misunderstanding what God has actually promised us. We read God's word, we interpret it according to our own desires, and then we get mad at God when he was not do it the way we want him to do it. God is always true to his promises, but he's not always true to my expectations. Whenever it appears that God has not kept his promises, I need to understand that the problem is with my perspective, not with God's promises. Whenever it seems like God has not been faithful, the reality is I have misread or misinterpreted something in this book. I've not applied it fairly and and the way it was written, I've not rightly divided this because God is always true to his promises. He's not always true to my understanding of those promises, but he always does what he promised he would do. Sometimes God is up to things that we don't even realize he's up to. Remember Mary and Martha? Lord, if you'd been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Well, that's true and that's why Jesus didn't show up. Because Jesus needed him to die. Well, I never thought about that. Well, that's why you're not God. Amen? (laughs) Jesus had already demonstrated he had power over sickness. Before he went to the cross, he needed to demonstrate something else to them. He needed to prove to them he had power over death. And in order for that to happen, he stayed behind while Lazarus was sick and he let him die so that he could walk up and not say, Lazarus, be healed, but so he could roll back a rock and say, Lazarus, come forth. God's not always up to what we think he's up to. And whenever I get disappointed or discouraged, I need to realize maybe God is writing this story a different way from what I expected. Maybe the movie isn't going like I thought it was going to go. Maybe God has a different plan than the one I had prefigured out in my own mind. And maybe I'm going to have to trust Him when I can't trace Him. Maybe I'm going to have to lean on Him whenever the way seems unclear to me. Maybe I'm going to have to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding. Maybe in all my ways, I'm going to have to acknowledge Him and let Him direct my paths. Maybe. what God did for them is he took this book and he said you're misreading your circumstances you think your circumstances are a negative and they're a positive you think your circumstances are a sign that God has failed when really God has succeeded you think Calvary is a loss no the resurrection makes it a win and whatever God is doing in your life now whatever your problem whatever you're facing even though it may not be going like you want to even though God may not have answered on your timetable or in the way you expect Can I tell you today, his promises are still true. God is still working all things out for the good of those who love him. If you love God and you're called according to his purpose, God is working in your life. God is engineering your circumstances. And you can trust him. But pastor, this test is going so much longer than I thought it would. Hang in there. God is able to make you stand. He'll give you the grace to endure. He'll walk with you to Emmaus. He will not leave you or forsake you. He will strengthen you. Hang in there. God's not done. And God's the only one that knows what he's up to. You can trust him. Lord, help me. Number two, they had a renewed passion for his presence. Jesus got ready to leave, and they said, don't leave. Stay. It's almost nighttime. Stay with us. Stay with us. You know you're recovering from discouragement when you have this longing to be in God's presence. One of the signs of discouragement is I feel numb. Say numb. Anybody ever been numb spiritually? I mean, you're in church, and everybody else is feeling it, and you're just standing there kind of looking around, going, man, I I can't feel God in a million miles of my own heart. But one of the ways you know when you're coming out of discouragement is when you begin to get hungry for God. When you begin to desire to be in his presence again. Wet your appetite. Salt your own oats. Press in to God's presence. What we really need when we're discouraged is not answers from God. It is the presence of God. It's the presence of God. I lost a dear friend in high school and for months I grieved and was depressed. And I remember asking the Lord why a thousand times. And one day the Holy Spirit answered back and said, You don't want to know why, you just want him back and that isn't going to happen. Wow. Good answer, Lord. You're exactly right. I don't care why, I just wanted him back. And the Holy Spirit said, That isn't going to happen. I can't give you him, but I can give you me. I can give you my presence. I can give you my spirit. I can comfort your heart if you'll let me. But you haven't been praying and you haven't been reading and you haven't been worshiping. I need you to come back to the means of grace. I need you to come back to the places where I promise to meet you and let my presence heal your broken heart. Some of us need to do that today. How do you know that you are recovering? You know you're recovering whenever you have a refreshed understanding of his word, a renewed passion for his presence. What do we need We need a return desire for his people. You know you're recovering whenever you want to be around God's people. What happened to them? The Bible says they went back to Jerusalem that night. Say that night. That night. That's a seven-mile walk. They just walked seven miles home, and now they're going to walk seven miles back? Yes. But the seven miles back were shorter than the seven miles there. Amen. Because they had a spring in their step and a song in their heart and joy in their feet. And they went back running, saying to his other disciples, The Lord is risen indeed, and we've had an encounter with him. Amen. They went back to church. Stand with me today. When we're encountering the risen Christ in prayer and receiving insight from his word, we can't wait to get back to the fellowship of God's people. Christians who come from a week of encounters and prayer and excitement, they bring energy into a service every time they show up. But some of you here today... And what you need more than anything is just to worship your way back into his presence again. Pastor, I don't feel it. This isn't about our feelings. This is about our faith. Sometimes worship is a sacrifice. We bring the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, unto his name. We used to sing an old song in the church. When you're up against a struggle that shatters all your dreams. When your hopes have all been crushed by Satan's manifested schemes. And you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears. Don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise Him. Praise the Lord for our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord for the chains that seem to bind you. Serve only to remind you they fall powerless behind you when you praise Him. Maybe you're here today and you're discouraged. Praise the Lord anyway. Open your mouth. Begin to declare the truth of who he is. Pastor, I know what I feel. What you feel is not the true thing. Who God is is the true thing. Open your mouth and declare what is true. Oh, pastor, I feel alone. Then say, I know the Lord is with me. Oh, pastor, I feel so discouraged. Then open your mouth and say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Pastor, I feel like, like, I'm, I, I, like this is never going to end. Then open your mouth and say, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Joy cometh in the morning. Get God's word. Get God's promises. Get the truth of who God is on your lips. Oh, I feel so lost. No, open your mouth and say, The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. Open your mouth. Praise Him. Praise Him. I want to invite our team to come and join Chad this morning. Can we put that last song back up? And as we go today, I want us to sing it to the Lord. I want us to sing it to the Lord. If you can linger with me just a moment in the Lord's presence, we won't be long, I promise. Let's honor the Lord and reverence His presence among us. Amen? If you're here today and you are loaded down with discouragement, disappointment, this weight on your shoulders, I want to invite you to come and I want to invite some Christian friends to come and gather around you, and just lay their hands on you and pray for you. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to tell us what it's all about. But I do want you to, by faith, reach out to Jesus. And I want you to allow God's people to press in and intercede for you. Sometimes we have to let God's Word become our prayer. Let me tell you what else you have to do. Sometimes you have to let other people do your praying for you for a little while. Say, what in the world does that mean? Sooner or later in life, every Christian hits a point where they go through such a trial and a difficulty that they don't feel like they can even pray. And in those moments, what you need more than anything is not to be able to manufacture a prayer from a dry heart. But what you need in that moment is to realize that that is the very reason God gave you the church in the body of Christ. And in the moments when you feel like you can't pray, God has put some people around you who can. And sometimes you just need to, them to grab you by the hand and for them to open their mouth and for them to touch God for you. And for them to pray the words you can't pray. And for them to invite him to come when you don't feel like you can do it. God will strengthen you today. Today as we sing, I invite you, if you're discouraged, come. And some people are going to come behind you and we're going to just very quickly touch you and pray. We're not going to linger. We're not going to hash it all out. What you need more than anything if you're discouraged is just a moment to sense his touch, to feel His presence and to be reminded I am not forsaken, I am not alone, I am not abandoned. Come this morning. Come this morning. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, move among us. Holy Spirit, as we sang a few moments ago, move among us. Wind of God, breathe on us. Lord, send your rain, send your fire, send your spirit to come and to touch the hearts of those who need an encouraging, refreshing encounter with the Lord today. We'll bless you and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Give the Lord a great hand of praise. Amen. 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 Chad lead us. You come. The altar's open right now. If you're discouraged and you need the Lord's touch, I want you to come this morning. Don't linger, don't wait. You don't have to explain anything. Just come. Come. You who are weary and heavy laden, Jesus' name. Come to me, come to me, and I'll give you a hand. Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you were blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at The Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at foresthillcog.org, join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash foresthillcog, or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.